in 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15, the word of the Lord says this, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, then He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we ask of Him. Hallelujah. Now there's been some things asked from the Lord this morning. And for the next few moments, I want to talk to you concerning prayer, but to entitled this sermon, the series, More Than Words. I hope you understand what I'm fixing to say. Anybody can come and pray. We all can pray. And we need to pray. We know that prayer is important. But we've got to get to the place where it's going to be more than just words when we pray. I hope you understand what I'm saying. We've prayed the now I lay me down to sleep prayer too long. We've prayed, Father bless my food for too long. Nothing wrong with that. But what you got to understand is we're in warfare today. Our children need our prayers. Our parents need our prayers. Our community needs our prayers today. And if you call yourself a Christian, then you better be praying. Now let me just step out on a limb here and say this. And I hope you'll love me after I say this. If you call yourself a Christian and you ain't praying, then you're not a Christian. Pastor, that's pretty bold. Yeah, I know it. That's why I said I hope you love me after I say it. Because you being a child of God in prayer, you can't separate the two. You can't separate them. You've got to have a relationship with Him. And the only way that you and I are going to have a relationship with Him is through our prayer. We've got to talk to God. We got to talk to God. Now, I talk to God sometimes in private and I, I don't want you to hear what I say to God. You understand what I'm saying? You probably do the same thing. There's some things me and God talk about sometimes, Brother Roger. I wonder if I even need to say things to God. But God's not shocked by what's in my heart. God's not shocked by the things that's going on in my life. He, he knows what's going on. But He wants me to pray. He wants me to pray. The Bible says this is the confidence that I've got. We have a confidence today in, in that we can approach God, number one. He went to the cross for us. You remember the scriptures? He went to the cross. He, he died on the cross. The Bible says the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. It gives you and I an access to get to the throne room. This morning we've been to the throne room. We can approach God. And the Bible says if we ask anything, according to his will. Now don't miss that little part. Because sometimes I ask things just to pat a miss. I ask things that's really not according to his will. I ask them, but they're not according to his will. But if I can ask according to his will, then he'll hear us. And if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked for. Father, 
take the next few moments and seal what I'm fixing to say in our hearts. Seal it. Create a new fervency of prayer in my life and in the people's lives that I'm speaking to today. Help us understand, God, how important that us just talking to you is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you so much, worship team. I want to do my best to sort of teach us a little something today. I'm not going to necessarily preach. I may get to that preaching mode, if you will. But Brother Adam, I want to teach a little bit today concerning prayer. More than words, being more than words. The Bible tells us in Psalms 42 verse 8, By day the Lord directs His love. By night His song is with me. It's a prayer to the God of my life. Now think about this. By day the Lord directs His love toward me. He's with us constantly. Amen? He's with us every day from the morning, from the time we get up to the time we lay our head down to rest. God is with us. And even by day, he's with us. He's directing us. But by night, his song is with me as well. A prayer to God of my life. Prayer, if you don't know this already, prayer should be and it needs to be the heartbeat of the church. Prayer is more than just a list of requests. Now, I know we're guilty of that. We'll come before the Lord and before we'll honor him, Sister Marilyn, and we'll give him praise, we'll give him thanksgiving sometimes, we get right to the petition part. We get right to the asking part. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's an order that we need, to get, we need to get be involved in concerning when we go to the Lord in prayer. It's more than just a list of requests. It's more than supplications or petitions that we think are appropriate when we present them to God. Because in the scripture, the Lord tells us that prayer is simply you and I drawing near to God, right? It's drawing near to God. It's drawing near to the eternal one. It's drawing near of our hearts tuning in to his voice and what he would have us to do. Prayer is intimacy with, with the Lord. This, this experience that we have when we go before the Lord in prayer is only possible only because our sins have been forgiven. How, how, how have our sins been forgiven? By the blood of Jesus on the cross, as we said earlier. It's from what he'd done for us on the cross of Calvary that you and I have life today. It's because of what he'd done for us on, on Calvary's cross, the blood that he shed, that we're able to be redeemed today, that we're able to be saved today, that we're able to be set apart today. It's through his blood that we're able to draw near to the Lord. Well, Pastor, that's sort of a gory thing. This blood thing is a gory thing. Well, look, if you take the blood out of the equation, you ain't got nothing. We've got to have the blood there. It's the blood that's been applied so you and I can have life today. Amen. Amen. And so prayer is this effective thing that we do with God. It acknowledges and it, and it accesses the Holy Spirit on our, for our help. He comes. He is released to be helped. Now listen, you can't know somebody unless you spend time with them. Right? You can't know somebody unless you spend some time with them. If I want to get to know Karen more, when our marriage, I've got to have to spend some time with her, right? Now we've been married some 33 years, I think it is, so 30, yeah, 33 years. We know one another. We've spent time with one another. 
You and your spouse, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. You probably could finish each other's sins. You spent time with one another. And so if we talk to God, we've got to be able to talk to God in order to get to know God. We've got to talk to God. And so intimacy develops as a result of a close contact with somebody over a period of time. Amen. Trust is built. You get to know that person. He speaks to you. You speak to them. They speak to you and you speak back. There's things that he answers. There's things that may, he may not answer. There's things and questions that he may place in, in your heart and in your mind. But trust is built over a period of time. And a confidence expands. Hearts grow closer to one another over a period of time. Aren't you thankful that you're not where, you're not where you are when you got saved spiritually? But you're stronger, amen. Why? Because you spent time with the Father. I'm thankful that when I got saved, Sister Marion, I'm still not back there as a spiritual boy, so to speak. Sometimes I feel like I'm still a spiritual boy, but I'm not back there. I'm gaining a little bit. I'm learning a little bit. I'm investing a little more. I'm able to have my ears tuned in to what the master has to say. And so prayer is the heartbeat of the church. And it's got to be more than just idle words. Now, don't leave me here, all right? Talk to me a little bit. Preach with me a little bit. It's more than idle words. We've got to go to the Father. And so we want to deal with a couple of things real quick this morning. So what, what, what is it? What, what prayer isn't? I mean, we, we know what prayer is. We're going to talk a little bit about it. But, but what prayer isn't? Prayer, we know, is the heartbeat of our relationship, as we said earlier. It gives us a chance to, 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 to flood our soul or, and, to, and to empty our soul into the Lord's blessing. To have a relationship with Him. We've got to talk to Him. But this is one thing that prayer is not. Prayer is more than just a report to Him. What are you talking about, Pastor? A lot of times we'll get down to pray and we'll report to him the things that we've been doing. God, I've been good this week. Lord, I've been, I've been telling people about you this week. Lord, I've treated my wife right today. I've treated my husband right today. And we start listing a bunch of stuff and we report to the Lord. We don't need to report things to the Lord. He knows who we are. He knows when we're good and he knows when we're bad. Amen. He knows when we're up and he knows when we're down. He knows when we're joyous and he knows when we're sad. He knows when we're depressed and he knows when we're glad. Amen. God knows who we are. How does he know that? He created you. He created you. And so it's an opportunity then for us to commit our lives to him. We don't report to him. We commit our lives to him. It's an opportunity to trust him for his good and his perfect will in our lives. Amen. So prayer is just more than a report. Prayer is more than an emergency insurance policy. That's the way we treat God sometimes. He's like an insurance policy. What are you talking about? Well, when I get trouble, I'm going to cash it in. Now, I'm going to stop right here because some of us are bad guilty about this right here. We're bad guilty about this. Because most of the time, a lot of times we, we only go to pray when we're in. There you go. When we're in trouble. We don't talk to God sometimes if we're not careful when everything's going the way we want it to go. I mean, if things is happening, people's treating us well, we got to raise this past week. Our boss has changed his attitude toward us, our wife, our, our spouse. They've changed their attitude toward us where everything is fine. It's going well, but let something break down. Let us get a flat tire. God, why did you do this to me? Right? Like God had something to do with your flat tire. 
And so we treat God and we treat prayer sometimes as an insurance policy. How many knows that prayer is for daily use? Prayer is for daily use and it protects you faithfully when the premiums are kept up faithfully. Amen. You understand what I'm talking about? When the premiums are kept up faithfully. So prayer is more than just an emergency insurance policy. Matter of fact, prayer is more than just a 911 call to God. Hey God, I'm in trouble today. 911. We all know what 911 is. When you get in trouble, you call 911. Somebody on the other end said, "What's the what's your problem? What's the what's the state of your difficulty? What's your emergency?" 911. I'm stuck on the highway. I'm sick in my house. I've fallen and I can't get up. It's an insurance but spiritual 911. We know that number. But how many knows prayer is needed when we are desperate? Prayer is needed when we're stranded. Prayer is needed when we're out of gas in life. But we cannot forget obedience and dependence upon him even after the emergency is over with. Amen. So it's more than a spiritual 911. Here, here we are. Prayer is more than spiritual gymnastics. You know what I'm talking about. Prayer's daily. It should be a daily thing. It's more than just a devotional calisthenics. It's more than just doing spiritual exercise. Regular prayer is important for a believer to stay spiritually healthy today. Amen. I'm going to tell you, if, if you're not praying today, you're missing out on a relationship with the Lord. If you're not praying today, you're missing your spiritual calisthenics. If you're not praying today, you're missing your spiritual connection with the Father today. It must be more than just a religious exercise. Prayer is a reinforcement of a daily relationship with the Lord. Amen. We got to have more than that. We got to have more than just a spiritual gymnastics. We got to have more than that. It's more than just words. Let me give you a couple of more. Prayer is more than a power switch that enables us to get what we want from God. Hello? It's more than just pushing a button. We live in a push-button world, but it's more than pushing a button when we need Him. Blessings on demand, if you will. Now, I don't mean to get too ugly here, but if a lot of times you watch television evangelists, you tell, they, they basically tell you the same thing. Push the button and blessings will come. Give this money here and blessings will come. Hello? I'm not, I'm not trying to judge anybody. Just tell them that's how it is. But with our Father today, blessings can't be on demand. You don't demand God to give you a blessing. Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? If I get out to pray one day and I said, God, I need a blessing. Give me one today and I demand it. Anybody brave enough to pray that prayer? I don't think I'm brave enough to pray that prayer. We don't demand things from God. Blessings on demand is not a part of his agenda for us. God is not our servant. We're his. Let me say that one more time. God is not our servant. We're his. Let me say that one more time because I don't think you still got it. We, God is not our servant. We are his servant. The scripture tells us to work for the Lord, right? The scripture tells us to serve the Lord. The scripture tells us to pray unto the Father and to work while it is day because night comes when no man can work. Prayer is more than a power switch. Not only that, but prayer is more than a religious exercise. Sometimes we misuse prayer even in church. We, we pray at every service. Uh, we, we pray at the appropriate time. Uh, we, we automatically, like, like when we eat or something like that, we automatically bow our heads and, and we mumble a few words under our breath, praying because you have to or, or praying because it's expected to is a fruitless prayer unless 
You touch God and commune with him. Now, now let me just, let me do, and I'm going to be a little funny here, but let me, just see, let me just give you a little example of what I'm talking about. What would happen if next time you gather around the table... I thought about this a lot because sometimes we gather around family reunions and things like that. And, and if I'm there, the preacher of the family, you know, they ask me to pray, Sister Mavis. And, and most of the time, and I'll, I'll confess this, I'll pray those automatic prayers. Father, thank you for my family today. I thank you that you got us here safe today. The food that we're about to receive, I pray that you bless it, oh God. Bless the hands that prepared it. Don't let the food that we eat put any weight on us whatsoever, you know. Real prayers like that. But I wonder what would happen if the next occasion that would take place, Brother Larry, and somebody says to you, would you say blessing over our food? And you just get up out of your chair and you kneel down by that chair and you get to, you get to praying. I mean, you get to praying. You know what I'm talking about. You get to praying. I can imagine, I, you know, as a fly on the wall, you could look up and your little, little eyes would go up. You, you see the faces of the, of the people that wonder, what in the world is he doing? What in the world is she doing? What kind of prayer? I just asked them to pray over, over the food. Now they've gone into revival kind of prayer. They've gone into intercessory kind of prayer. They're praying for everything. They're praying for the dog, the cat. They're praying for everything. I wonder what kind of dynamic that would change in our midst. Pastor, can you do that? Well, why can't you? I wonder why can't you do that when you're sitting in a restaurant and get out on your knees and start praying when somebody's sitting across the table, they're using every four-letter word in the book and you just sit there and listen to it. What would happen if you get up and you get down and you're praying, God, come down upon us today. Bless our food today. Bless this friend of mine that's sitting on the other table using your name in vain, God. I wonder what would happen if we get to praying like that. Huh. So prayer is more than, just a, more than just a religious exercise. Let me give you one more. There's probably several, but, but prayer is more than just a pious routine. The habit of praying is commendable. But the practice of wearing your prayer on your sleeve is a misuse, if you will, if you're not careful. And you'll understand what I'm, what I'm fixing to say. Jesus said some people who pray are masters at melodrama. Some, Jesus said some people that pray want to pray only to be heard in their prayer. Matter of fact, Eugene Peterson paraphrased Jesus' words in the Message Bible. It says this in, in Matthew 6 and 1. It says, be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. Now think about that. It might be good theater. But the God who made you won't be applauding. You've seen them in action. I'm sure play actors, I call them, treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as somebody is watching, playing to the crowds. When you come before God, he said, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for, a st for, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Uh-uh. But when we come to God, the Bible tells us to come to Him in spirit and in truth, right? To come to Him believing. So there's a lot of things that prayer is not, but what is prayer? Pastor, this, this is, we know what prayer is. We know all of that. Well, do you? Do you? Is there revival going on at your house? Just asking. You got revival breaking forth? You got the third, or you been caught up in the third heaven this past week? You got glory coming down and heaven filling your soul and nobody else knows about it but you? You got revival? Do we understand what prayer is? Matter of fact, I want you to turn with me 
to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. I want to read real quick to you. Hebrews 13, verse 15. The Bible says this. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise unto God. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. It says, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Verse 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Can I tell you what prayer is? There's one thing that I know that prayer is. Prayer is praise. It's a praise offering unto the Lord. When I get down to pray, I I begin to praise him. I begin to glorify him. I begin to adore him. I begin to magnify his holy name. I begin to thank him for everything that he means to me. I begin to thank him for the day. I begin to thank him for my health. I begin to thank him for my family. I begin to thank him that all my family's in church today. I begin to thank him that I'm not in sick and I'm not in the hospital, Brother Sam. I begin to thank him that I'm not in a jailhouse somewhere. I begin to thank him that I'm in my right mind today. Oh, Pastor, there's a lot of things you can thank the Lord for there is and every day when we get up we need to learn to thank God and give him praise for his abounding goodness and mercy toward you and I today hallelujah it's praise it's a sacrifice unto the Lord it's a sacrifice unto the Lord praise is a sacrifice that pleases God it's a it's, it's praise is simply more than words as we've said it's more than words the best prayer we can pray is one filled with praise to the king first timothy says to the king eternal and immortal and invisible the only god to whom be honor and glory forever and ever and ever amen hallelujah well if that don't excite you i ain't got nothing else to say <laughs> Amen. We're praising him. Prayer is praise. You know, what else, you, know, you know what else I found out prayer is? Prayer is the confession. I don't know about you, but can I tell you sometimes your pastor has to confess before the Lord. Oh, pastor, you're supposed to be our spiritual leader. Yeah, I know it, but I make mistakes. You're, you're, you're supposed to be over us in the Lord. I know it, but sometimes I just royally blow it. Is that all right? And sometimes I have to go back and I have to confess before the Lord. Lord, I shouldn't have said that. Lord, I shouldn't have done that. Lord, I, I shouldn't have thought that. Especially when I'm in a car and folks run you off the road. I shouldn't think that, Lord. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be like that, Lord. We have to confess. It's a confession. People confess to psychiatrists. People confess to doctors. And they confess to mentors. And they confess to, to family. And they confess to members. And they confess to the clergy and the preacher and, and friends to get forgiveness. But can I tell you something? If you really want real forgiveness, you better not be confessing to any of these folk. You better be confessing to God and Jesus Christ, the one that died on the cross that gave you life today. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what confession will do for you? It'll humble you. Look over at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. It'll humble you. It shows us who we are and who God is. Confession allows God to, to come in and change us. Confession allows God's grace to be activated in our lives. Confession will draw us closer to the Lord. And when it draws us closer to the Lord, Brother Larry, you know what it'll do? Confession will free us. It'll free us. 
I don't know about you, but I enjoy feeling free in the Lord. Right? I don't like feeling guilt when I come to church. It hinders my praise. I don't like feeling guilt and worry and anxiety and depression when I come before the Lord. It bothers me a little bit. It may not bother you, but it bothers me. I like being free when I come before the Lord. Why Why is that, Pastor? Because I can give him praise a little more easier. I can praise his name a little more easier. I can lift up holy hands a little more easier. I can lift my voice a little louder, Brother Keith, a little more easier. I don't have to, I don't have to walk with my head down. I can walk with my head up because I know he's on my side. I don't have to act like I'm depressed and, and, just, and just all wore out. I still know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is with me. He's for me. He's not against me. When I'm free, amen. amen. Prayer is confession. But there's another thing we talked about a little bit while ago that the prayer is petition. It's asking as well. We ask with supplication. Matter of fact, Ephesians 6 and 18, with all prayer and petition or supplication, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and supplication for all of the saints. It's a, it's a, it's a time of asking. It's okay to ask God things. Sure it is. It's okay to ask God things, but if, but if that's all you do, you're missing the formula here. Make that part of it, but it's not the first thing you need to do. You need to go to God in praise. You need to go and magnify Him first. Spend a little time with Him worshiping the Lord. We magnify you, Jesus, before you get to that petition time. But another thing that will lead you into it is a prayer of intercession. We've been talking a lot about this in, the, in, the, in, our prayer, in our prayer classes on Sunday afternoon. If you've not been a part of that, I invite you to come. We're going to be talking about personal prayer this afternoon. Personal prayer. But prayer is intercession. What's intercession, Pastor? Intercession links us, links us in partnership with the Lord. It puts us together, connects us together. To intercede is to get caught up. Everybody say caught up. To get caught up with God and to be carried alongside of Him. Intercession is praying with somebody. It's believing for somebody. Sort of like we did with Brother Tony here a few minutes ago. You were interceding on his behalf. You were praying on his behalf. It strengthened him. He needed that. You and I, we need that at times. We need to know that somebody is praying for us, amen, and putting an arm around our back and interceding for us, amen. Intercession links us together. He not only wants to make us one with God, but he wants to call us into a oneness with each other. Can I tell you this morning, I may not know everybody's first name. At least I think I know, I think I know most everybody's first name, but if I don't, there's one thing that we've got in common if you're a child of God. You and I, we're brother and sister together, together with the Lord. We're kin today. We're family today. I'm not just speaking to a crowd today. I'm speaking to my family today. I'm speaking to the family of God today. It unifies us together. It makes us one together. And we've come together in that. What, well, what does that mean? It means I can come to Sister Mabel and say, hey, I need you to pray for me. My head's all messed up today. I need you to pray for me, Pastor. My hip is all messed up today. I need you to pray for me, Pastor. I've got this going on in my life. And we know as family, we're going to take it to the Lord in prayer. They ain't nothing like the family of God. Hallelujah. There's nothing like the family of God that when we come together and we lock arms with one another and we go to intercessory prayer, we're going to lift up the name of Jesus and we're going to lift up one another in prayer. Amen. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. There's another thing I found out that prayer 
is meditation. Uh-oh. Pastor, you're getting on that, that psychic stuff now. I mean, I thought we weren't supposed to meditate. I thought that was, you know, of the devil. Well, some of it is. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. David, in Scripture, you go back and you look at it. David, in Scripture, Samuel wanted to build God a house. Now, that was a pretty good thing. I thought that was a good idea. I'm going to build God a house. I mean, I'm here in the temple, and I look out there, and there's the Ark of the Covenant, and it's in a tent. We need to build God a house. That was, that was, that was a pretty good thing. And God said, basically, uh-uh, you ain't building me a house. <laughs> I'm building you a house. <clears throat> so how did, how, did, how did they react to this? You go to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 18, the Bible will tell you this. Then King David went in, and he sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough, you have also spoken about our, the future of the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? In other words, David was perplexed. I thought I was doing a good thing. The Bible tells us, except the Lord build the house, those that labor, labor, what? In vain. David here was, was, has just completed the construction, if you will, of the palace. And he looks out and he sees this ark still in a tent. And he begins to formulate this plan in his mind. It's not right for me to be in a palace and the ark of God be in a tent. I'm going to build God a house. Why not build God a house? And so David, he calls his friend, he calls the prophet, he calls his confidant Nathaniel or Nathan over the prophet. And he outlines these intentions, he outlines these, these, these plans that he had. And, and Nathan, he, he also thinks, oh, this is not a bad idea. This is, David's going to build God a house. But that night Nathan had a visit from the Lord and God came and as he returned to David with God's revised plan it's as though God were looking down at the blueprints of which David had drew up for God's house and then and then looks at David and says in effect that's not a house I'm fixing to show you what a real house looks like why'd you say all that pastor I want to help you here and help us so often we have this thing in our mind that we God, we've got everything set. We're exactly, we're exactly where we need to be. And I've, I've, I've created this temple in my life the way that you want it to be. Well, let me ask you a question now, and I'm, going, and I'm hurrying. Have you? Is everything in your temple the way God wants it? Child of God, woman, man of God that's been in this way 40, 50, 60 years, is everything in this temple the way God wants it. I could go in your house today and you could come in my house. And some of you, I know some of you, you're some, some, some wonderful decorators. You've got it looking good. But I could go in your house, I promise you, I could find some stuff that I don't like. Right? Why? Because it's not, it's not me. You could come in my house, you'd find a bunch of stuff you wouldn't like. Why? Because it, it ain't you. But when it comes to God, how is my house? Is there things in my house that when God comes in, he could say, I don't like that. I don't like that. I like that, but I don't like that. Is it? Because David here thought he was building God a house. God said, I, I, I don't want the kind of house you're going to build. I want, I want the kind of house I want to build for you. 
We've got to get this thing all turned around in our thoughts and our prayers. And when we go to the Lord, the Lord may require some things out of us that we're not expecting. Yeah. When we go to God in prayer and you get down to some serious business with God in prayer, He'll change your plans. He'll mess you up at times. Anybody ever been messed up in the Lord? You know what I'm talking about? He'll mess you up at times. God, this is not the way I wanted to do it. So what? I've had somebody tell me before, Pastor, I've come to your church and I'm just not going to act like some of them folks act in church. I've had people tell me that before. You know what I enjoy, Bridget? That when they come down to the altar in prayer and they, get, they surrender their, their heart to the Lord, they get to acting just like some of them folks they don't, they don't want to act like. Why? Because they've released, they've, they've invited God to come in their house and change some things around. Let me hurry here. So what is it that true prayer requires? True prayer is the heartbeat, as I said, in our relationship with God. Prayer is not an occasion to tell God, as we've said, about our lives. He already knows everything about us. But prayer is an opportunity to commit our lives unto Him. To simply trust Him for all of His good and all of His perfect will. That is what effective prayer requires of you and I. What does it require? There's some things that it requires. When I come before the Lord, i got to come before Him with a humble heart. A humble heart. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. If there's ever a time that America needs to go to that scripture, it's today. It's today. I don't know about you, but I get so disgusted with watching our government. I get so disgusted with listening to the bickering back and forth, Republicans and Democrats, and I want to know this, and I want to know that, and you don't know, you need to give this one opportunity, you don't need to give that one opportunity, back and forth. I get so disgusted, whether you like him or not, it's irrelevant to me, about people coming against our president like they're coming against him. You don't have to like him. I don't care. There's, you, you, but you can't say this. There's been no other president alive that has had, had the much junk through at him as this guy right here. Do I like everything he does? No, I don't. I'll be the first to tell you. Sometimes I wish he would just shut up. Just let some things go. But he won't. I don't know why. I could help him if you would listen to me. He, he ain't going to call me. But I do know this, in America today, we have an issue and we have a problem. And we're coming against our leader and the Bible tells us not to do that. The Bible tells us to lift up the man in charge, to pray for him. And if there's ever time you need to lift this man up, you better lift him up today. You need to pray for who he is and who he's leading. Your world and my world could change overnight. We don't, we don't really understand how close we are to somebody pushing a button. Pastor, you're talking about prayer. Why are you into all this stuff? I'm just telling you, we need to pray. We need to pray. But prayer requires a humble heart. There's one thing I appreciate about what he does. He still allows to be, for, for somebody to come and pray for him. Amen. He may not act right sometimes, but he still allows somebody to come and lay hands on him. Yes. To lift his name up in prayer. A humble heart. 
effective prayer requires a wholeheartedness. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, If you, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's a condition there. The Bible says you will seek me and find me. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Wholeheartedness. True and effective prayer requires me to have faith. Mark eleven twenty four. 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it'll be yours. One final thing. Effective prayer requires righteousness out of me. What are you talking about? James 5, it says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful. The prayer of a righteous man is effective. It avails much. So what are you saying, Pastor? When we pray, every one of us pray in a variety of ways. We can pray informally in small groups. and We can pray over coffee. We can pray over dinner. We can pray with our children at night. We can pray when they get up of the morning. We pray in a variety of ways. We pray before and after worship services, but we must plan and organize specific times of prayer. You have to organize a specific time of prayer. Some of you have been noticing over the last few weeks that there's a few, on Sunday mornings especially, that I've asked them to come and pray before services. They would come up here and they'll kneel down or they'll stand. I've asked the prayer group with our connect group to do this. And I invite you as well, if you'd like to, before service, every service, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, whatever. To why don't you come up about a minute or 30 seconds or whatever it takes and just pray. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if you've noticed. I've asked, this, I asked the connect group last Sunday, but I don't know if you've noticed or not. But our services has changed since then. I ain't noticed nothing, Pastor. Well, maybe you need to be praying. I ain't noticed nothing different. Well, maybe you need to touch the throne room a little more because this has been different. I don't know about you, but there's been such a release. And it seems to, that we can pray and we can worship in freedom even in the midst of chaos. See, some of the things that you don't know that's been happening this week, there's been a lot of stuff to happen this week. Breakdown in equipment, wires being pulled, things that's not working, things that is working. You say, Pastor, you ain't supposed to talk about, about that a lot in church. I, I talk about it to, to make a point. Even in the midst of all of that, God still moved. Amen. Hallelujah. He still moved. So what, what are you saying? The keyboard is nice and Chris does a wonderful job at it. But we ain't got to have this to worship God. Amen. Ain't got to have it. We're Pentecostal folks and so we like the thump. And I like the thump too. I like it when it's charged up and energized and all of that. But if I get dependent upon this to make me worship, I ain't got what it takes. We like all the singers standing around the mic singing songs of Zion. We like it when Sister Michelle comes up here or Brother Caleb or whoever's leading to come up and Boy, they do a good job and they energize us, Pastor. And boy, they make me feel good. Well, that's good. 
But if I rely upon that, then I ain't got what I need. Let me get off on some of the old folk a little bit. Some of us, we like the new songs. And some of us, we like the old songs. We like, we like the, who was it said the other day that, uh, I believe as our overseer said, God walks the dark hills. Mama, she can sing that real good. I ain't going to get you up today. But I will, eventually. She got on to me this morning about letting her sing more often. And she's right. But listen, if you rely on little Vestal back there, <laughs> singing God walks the dark hills to get you in touch with the Father, then you got to have more than that. Hello? It'll help. And it'll get you there. But it ain't going to keep you there. If you come up here to the altar and you weep a few tears and you jump up and down and you enjoy the shout, it's all right. It's good. It'll get you there, but it ain't going to keep you there. I got to have a relationship with the Lord. Let me close with this. Psalms 42 and 8. I already told it to you earlier. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. I don't know about you, but that, I, I like that scripture. I can, Sister Pat, I can go to bed at night. I can lay my head down and Karen will tell you that within a minute, 60 seconds, I'm out. And I'm snoring. How can you do that, Pastor? He's my song. He's my song. He's my song. He's the one that strengthens me day by day. Don't get me wrong. There's nights I can't sleep. I get worried about some things. I get to praying for people. And I get to interceding. And I get to thinking about things. My mind won't sh shut off like yours. But most nights, I'm able to lay down. And, because He's directing me by day and He's directing me by night. Why is that? Because the psalmist said it's a prayer to the God of my life. It's a prayer to the God of my life. I'm so thankful that every day He's with us. Every day He's with us. I want to ask you to stand. I want us to pray today. Hallelujah. Well, every head bowed and every eye closed. God has moved already mightily in our service. Such a wonderful presence of the Lord here today. But I want to ask you one more time. Are you where you need to be? Are you? And if you're not, what's keeping you? What's keeping you from getting there? Is your temple, as we said earlier, is your temple got some things in it that if God showed up in your house... Would he be pleased? Is there some things that we need to confess before the Lord today with a humble heart? Is there some petitions that we need to ask God for? Young people, are you doing everything that you need to do? Are you listening? Are you obeying? Are you listening to mom and dad's instruction? Because if you're not, you need to confess those things before the Lord. 
teenager, you feel like you've got all the world left at your disposal. You feel like that you've got the tiger by the tail, so to speak, and, and you've got plenty of time. Young man, do you feel like you've arrived and you don't have to change anything? Young lady, or do you feel like that you're just, you just want to be happy and you want to be joyous and I don't want to be bogged down with this church stuff? I've got plenty of time. I'm going to tell you, there's people that's dying day by day and going out into eternity without ever knowing Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity today to know Him. You have an opportunity today to recommit your life to Him. You have an opportunity today to be invited back in as, as He told us earlier through tongues and interpretation to come home, come home, come home. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, God, to release everybody's heart and thoughts today to allow you to come in. Doesn't, I don't care what's going on this afternoon. I don't care what's going on tomorrow or this next week. God, right now is the time. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. I hadn't planned on doing this, but Karen, I want you to come with me up here, right here. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to meet you and your wife in this altar. I, I don't want nobody else to come around. I, I, I get it at times. I understand that. But if you would be honest and you'd just come and you say, Hey, would you pray with me? I want you to meet us down here this morning. I want to pray with you real quick. And we're going to let you go.